Good morning. I'd like to welcome you back to another edition of our Anchored in the Word Morning Reflection and hope that you've had a good start to your week. And as we've been working through the passage in front of us, did some introductory thoughts yesterday. Today we're going to dig into some of the things that Jesus says about this generation. And what we're going to see is that there is a building progression throughout this entire passage leading up to um, how we're going to apply the text at the end of the week. So again, let's read it together. It's Luke chapter 11, verses 29 through 33. Here's what it says. And when the people were gathered thick together, he began to say, this is an evil generation. They seek a sign and there shall no sign be given it, but the sign of Jonas the prophet. For as Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man shall be to this generation. The Queen of the South shall rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Behold, a greater than Solomon is here. And the men of Nineveh shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. No man... When he hath lighted a candle, put it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. Now, this passage of scripture is emphasizing that, in fact, this generation of people, the ones who walked with Christ, were a generation that had no excuse for the way they responded to what was in front of them. I think sometimes we get in our minds that if we could give a perfect gospel presentation to someone and we could present the message with perfect clarity and we go to all the scriptures and we have the perfect illustrations that we could literally talk anybody into becoming a Christian. I hate to tell you this, but in fact, that's not true. When we talk about conversion and a person placing their faith in Christ, this is a miraculous work of God's grace. And we are responsible to give the gospel clearly, as clearly as we possibly can. We should present evidences and proofs and arguments. And we should go through the texts of scripture with people and explain it as thoroughly as we possibly can. Answer their questions and give them illustrations. But the simple fact is that there is an element to this that is beyond our ability. It is God who has to convict the sinner of sin and righteousness and judgment. Their heart has to be softened to the truth in order for them to embrace the truth. And that's a work that the Spirit of God has to do. But he does it through our efforts, through our obedience, through our faithfulness, through the preaching of the word. As it says in Romans chapter 10, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He says, how can they believe on him whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? And so in Romans 10, he clearly states, look, the way a person believes starts with the obedience of Christians and giving the gospel. And faith comes through the process of the word of God being expounded to people. So with that in our minds, let's look at this concept that in fact, this Jewish generation, the one that walked with Christ was a generation that had no excuse. And their decision to reject Christ and the evidences that were in front of them, in fact, it is a stunning, sober reminder for all of us. Here's the way Jesus puts it in verse 29. He says, when the people were gathered thick together, he began to say, this is an evil generation. 
Now, when we think about Jesus making this statement, it, it goes contrary to the way that we would think would be the best way to evangelize a group of people. You know, in our minds, half the battle is getting the crowd there. And Jesus had no problems gathering a crowd. He's performing miracles. He's saying things that are, are very provocative. He's confronting those who have authority. And there are people that were just there because they wanted to eat food and they wanted to see a miracle and they wanted to hear him confront those who had authority, speaking truth to power. They wanted to see those things and hear those things and experience those things. But what Christ understood was that the reason that there was this thick crowd of people gathered together, pressing upon him, was not because they all wanted to hear the truth and embrace it. It's because many of them just wanted to see more. They just wanted to be entertained. They just wanted uh, to have something to talk about to their friends. And so what Jesus does is he rebukes the crowd and he says, this is an evil generation. Now, that seems overly harsh, but it is exactly the way the people were. And if you think about it this way, this group of people was perhaps the most privileged generation in all of history. Now, I'm going to say this a little bit later. We are a very privileged generation of people. We have access to truth more than any other group of people that has ever lived in human history. I mean, we have so much accessibility of knowledge and truth. And if we want to spend time studying the word of God all day, we can do it. And we have tremendous resource tools. But there's something that we don't have that this generation did have. And that is that they were able to have eyewitness accounting and evidence of what they had seen. Many of these people had read the prophets. They had sat in the synagogues and they had heard the prophets being read. And they knew what Isaiah had to say about the Messiah. They knew what Zechariah had to say. They knew what Jeremiah had to say. They knew what the Psalms said about the Messiah. And so all of this information was something that was laying a foundation, a baseline for them to believe. They saw numerous visible signs as eyewitness, eyewitnesses of Christ's ministry. I would even have to say that I, I presume that the Apostle Paul was literally an eyewitness of the ministry of Christ, though not as a believer, but as an antagonist. He heard Christ's teaching. He saw the things that Jesus did. He was amongst the people who were trying to figure out what they were going to do with Christ. Jesus and Paul would have been of the same age, basically. And so Paul would have known about everything that Jesus was saying and doing. And these people were able to literally touch Christ to see him, to hear his voice. We don't have that level of privilege. They did. They heard the teaching. They, they heard the back and forth with the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they saw how he answered the questions. Many of these people literally saw him come into Jerusalem with, with what we would call the Palm Sunday triumphal entry. They heard people crying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Many of these people would have known firsthand about what happened when Jesus was standing before Pilate and the crowds were, were crying out, crucify him, crucify him. Some of these very people were there at the cross and they could have seen Christ was dead on that cross. And some of these people either saw firsthand him risen from the dead 
where they had the opportunity to hear from firsthand witnesses of the resurrection of the dead. Even in 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul writes about the, the resurrection, he says there are more than 500 people living today who are eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Christ. Stunning statements. This is a privileged generation. Yet what does the Bible say? Jesus says, this is an evil generation. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 40, Peter says the exact same thing. And I think hearing the scripture read in this context can be very helpful. He says, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, this is amazing. They didn't say, no, it's not true, Peter. Jesus did die, but we didn't kill him. Or he did die, and we're the ones who said, let him be crucified, but he didn't rise from the dead. He's still dead. No, they didn't argue with Peter on this point. They, they confessed. It's true. What do we do? And then he says this. He says, repent. Your thinking about Christ has to radically change. You need to go from being one who says, crucify him, to one who says, he was crucified for me. You need to go from one who, who, who was saying, there's no way that this man could rise from the dead, to saying, he has risen and become the first fruits of them that slept. You have to go from one who says, I don't believe he's Messiah. I don't believe he's Savior. I don't believe he's Lord to saying, I believe he's Messiah. I believe he's Savior. I believe he's Lord and I rest in it. And then two, be baptized. Be willing to publicly identify with this person who was crucified and is risen from the dead. Be willing to publicly state, I believe in the gospel. This is what he tells them to do. Repent believe, be baptized. And he goes on to say this. He says, you shall receive the Holy Ghost and remission of sins. And he says, the promise is unto you and to your children that are far off, even as many as the Lord shall call. With many other words, he did testify and exhort them saying, and here's the key, save yourself from this untoward generation. What does he mean? The generation that said his blood be on us and on our children. That is the generation that these people were a part of. And he says, turn from unbelief to belief. Be baptized and identify with Christ and rescue yourself from a generation under judgment. These Jews who walked with Christ had no excuse for the rejection of him. And yet they did it. And so I asked this very simple question in closing. What would he say about our generation? Are we not a privileged generation as well? Do we not have access to the truth? What are we doing with the truth? Well, Lord willing, tomorrow we're going to continue building on what we talked about today. And I hope that what we have to say from the scriptures will be an encouragement. Have a blessed morning. And Lord willing, we'll meet again tomorrow. Bye now.